Welcome to the Our Infinite God podcast. We seek to encourage the local church to grow in right belief and right action by meditating on our infinite God. We believe that right understanding of our infinite God will give us a clearer picture of everything else. My name is Philip Long. And my name is Alex Cook. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, we're going to welcome you back to our interview with Ross Estep. We have been enjoying our time with him, and uh, so we're going to ask him a few more questions, and we hope you enjoy this time with Ross Estep. What would you say is the role of a pastor? Um, so in order to keep myself from rambling... <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is a big one. I, I actually, I googled. Um, I wanted to see what some other folks had said, and I I found an article from Tim Challies a couple of years ago where he broke it down just really simply. So first is protection. Um, We're the shepherd of the sheep. So protection is first from threats from without, identifying false teachers, um, which both of you know. I mean, it's just so prevalent, and it's so conniving the way that it works its way into the church. Um, So identifying those threats... And then identifying the threats from within, that we're still addressing mm-hmm. sin in the believer's life. And yeah. we're, we're, we're bringing those. And again, we, we have to do that. As church leaders, we have to do that without reservation. Yeah. Um, which, of course, means that we have to know them beyond just seeing yeah. them on Sundays, but actually yep. know them, yep. um, which is another part of that, that shepherding role. Uh, so protection and then exhortation, which is the calling of them out of their sin, um, into the life of Christ, into the path of righteousness. Uh, obviously, feeding, delivering the word faithfully, Sunday after Sunday, um, making sure that they are receiving a steady diet from the pulpit of God's word. Yep. Um, obviously, a healthy, growing Christian is being fed from God's word every day. But we know that there's something special underneath the power of the spirit that happens yep. when we gather together on Sundays. Yep. Um, so making sure that we're, we're, and this is one of the reasons why I, I love John MacArthur so much. I know I mention him a lot, um, but because he's always been so faithful and just delivering the word. I listened yep. to his sermon this past Sunday uh, on the prodigal son, and he went on for about an hour and he's not bringing in, you know, personal anecdotes and, and little cute illustrations and stuff like that, which I'm not saying there's no place for that in a sermon, but you never hear those from MacArthur. Like MacArthur is always just, okay, open your Bible. Here's the scripture. And now we're going to cross-reference it and we're going to build on it. And he spent an hour on the prodigal son, a story that, you know, all of us that are initiated in the faith know well, and it was just mesmerizing. I mean, to see how he, he opened that story up, talked about, um, you know, the, uh, the shame, um, culture, the, the yep. real problem that, um, you know, the, the shame that the father was putting on himself by re- responding to the son the way that he did. Um, there's just nothing more important that we as pastors can do on, on Sundays or any day than to feed people the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then leading. So setting the example, being out front, um, not calling them to something that you yourself are not either already called to or also being called to, uh, and caring. Um, and that's one thing I think 
I think older generations had this better than a lot of the younger pastors. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm a younger pastor, so I'm putting myself in that category. And, and I've heard pastors, especially of larger churches in recent years, kind of joke around about going and doing hospital visitations or in-home visitations and, and really demeaning the importance of those things. But again, if you don't know the sheep that are in your flock, you can't shepherd them well. You can't do yep. these other things if mm-hmm. you don't know them. Yeah. Um, and it's true, you know, and I've had this conversation with a brother um, who really looks at the role of the pastor as primarily just being that teaching activity and not really so engaged in um, the, the caring aspect of it. Um, and I know scripturally, you know, you, you look to Acts and that's kind of the text that's always used that we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the study of God's word. And then we're going to have others that are serving the table. And I don't put that aside and I don't want to, to, to mingle the different roles that God has given and, and confuse those. Uh, but I think the church elders have to know their people and to know their people, they have to care for their people. Yeah. I've heard one pastor say a shepherd should smell like his sheep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where'd you get that? I don't know. Some guy in Fountain Inn. Probably <laughs> a dork. No, I didn't make that up. That's from uh, Jeremy Rennie's book. It's a nine marks book on eldership. Okay. And uh, he's that's a chapter in there that shepherds should smell like sheep. Yeah. And uh, it's impossible to you can't shepherd from a distance. A she like she a she couldn't shepherd shepherd from you know a mile away. Yeah. A shepherd was in the flock. Yeah. And that's that's a really important part of that metaphor you know we use two different words in english pastor shepherd but greek like spanish just one word remember that day in mexico i was trying to yeah. teach about how important it is that a pastor needs to be a shepherd and it's the same word in spanish yeah he was trying to make the point <laughs> like in english that that can be a point in teaching is like okay do you understand the word pastor actually means shepherd yeah. and so he said that but when you translate pastor into Spanish, El Pastor, it, it, means, same, same <laughs> it means shepherd. So that was totally lost on them. But, yeah. uh, so that's something they get that we don't. Well, and that's an area where it's so important that we as pastors are instructing our people in this. It, yeah. The assumption is made that people understand what the role of the pastor is. And yeah. a lot of times they don't. Yeah. So they expect things out of the pastor that not just are unrealistic, but are unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole idea of the pastor as CEO it's just mm-hmm. not a biblical idea. Yeah. Um, but if your congregation, if that's what they think you're supposed to be, then they're going to try to pigeonhole you into a place that's ultimately going to be to the detriment of your church. Yeah. So it's important that we let them know biblically, yep. this is how God defines yeah. this role. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Now, I know you just touched on this, but I want to just circle back to that a little bit. What's the importance of preaching? And, and how would you define, what do you define as preaching? The importance of preaching is is being a prophet in the sense of not foretelling, but forthtelling. Yeah. Um, thus saith the Lord. Yeah. It is declaring what God has said. Yeah. It's, it's setting that before the people again, you know, thank God he's given us a book that we can all read yeah. and we can all understand. Um, we don't have to rely on a priest. We, we don't have to rely on uh, somebody that knows a particular language to be able to interpret it. But there's no doubt biblically when you look at the qualifications for an elder and teaching being one of those, that the pastor, the pastor elder has the responsibility to do like I just mentioned with Pastor MacArthur, and that is spend the time in the word to to take apart aspects of it that otherwise may go missed. And we still miss them. I mean, we can preach the same text five Sundays in a row and there's still going to be something else to cover. 
Um, but to, to have that individual in your life who is investing the time um, to really feast in this so then they yeah. can pass that feast on to you, which is another argument for church attendance and for being here. I mean, there's, there's no substitute. We're in this season of coronavirus, but there's still no substitute for actually being together. Right. Um, yeah. And I understand, you know, some churches, they, they have to remain online. This isn't about, you know, I don't think we want to debate about that. But um, but every church right now, regardless of how they're meeting, the longing should be, yeah. we've got to get back together. We've got to yeah. be back in God's house together. Um, and, and preaching is the pinnacle of the worship service. And I don't know about you, yep. Philip, but like yep. for me, I know that can sometimes sound kind of self-serving and like I don't want to say that yep. sometimes because like, well, look at the preacher. He thinks he's, you know, the best thing here. It's not about me. Yeah. 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 It's not about you, but it's about we are coming. And so long as we are rightly dividing the word of truth, yeah. then we are delivering the very word of God. And so you, I was actually going to interrupt to kind of make that point because uh, I think in nine marks, that's the number one mark of a healthy church mm-hmm. is preaching the word but also expository preaching yeah expository preaching that's the first mark of a healthy church and and he said the reason he made that the first mark is because that's the pinnacle everything follows that because that's where the leadership of the church occurs and also shows how important god's word is Mm -hmm. that we believe it as inerrant infallible that we can trust it with our lives and so you know, the old churches were actually structured, physically structured, yep. yeah. in such a way to promote the reading of the Word. Yeah. So when you go to these old cathedrals and you see the elevated platform from yeah. which the preacher would go up and climb up circular steps and get into it, that was not to elevate the pastor. No. That's to say, hey, this there's something special that's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We visited one of those... My wife's sister and her husband was where they were stationed in Germany. We went to visit them. We visited a couple of really old, old yeah. churches uh, in there, and that had the, one of those pulpits, you know, that spiral staircase up above. It's, you know, the light was just hitting it just right. And again, you know, there's a temptation as a pastor to say, "Well, no, 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 it's not about you know, I, right. I don't want a special platform, and it's it's not about the pastor. It's about the Word of God, yeah. and yeah. it's about this is just putting that status there." Yeah. So yep. um, I've actually got a motion before the elders at, at Infinity to build one of those. <laughs> I think in our warehouse, I think that'd be a good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> thank you. I think a... you should have the largest pulpit that you can have. <laughs> I love yeah. a big pulpit. Yeah. No, the uh, we used to go. So I, I went to uh, a Christian school in Greenville, and we did a lot of fine arts stuff. Like <laughs> we didn't have football and stuff like that. You you run fine arts. There you go. <laughs> so we would go to Bob Jones a lot uh, for fine arts competitions. And they have a pulpit and their big auditorium. That thing is, it's got to be 20 yards long. It is incredible (laughs) how big it is huge. It is massive. Wow. (laughs) So I've always said one day, one day, (laughs) I want a pulpit like that. Other than I actually prefer like a music stand now. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, uh, next question. What is right now, what's your favorite book or song? All right. I'm going to do song first. Okay. And I'm going to do two because I can't just do one. Are they Christian songs? Yes. Okay. No, it's like Cardi B. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't um, know who that is. Yeah, good. <laughs> so the first one's kind of more mainstream, um, and it's uh, Izzy Worthy. Yeah. But it's got to be the Andrew Peterson version. Okay. Nothing against Chris Tomlin, but 
Andrew Peterson version is okay. where it's at. Other one is more obscure. This is one I played for you a couple of weeks ago. It's called Where the People Walk Where the People Walk Backwards. And it's by Alan Levi, who most people have never heard of him. He's an older gentleman uh, down in Georgia. Um, the song, he, he tells these stories. And that's one thing that I kind of... Oh, I remember this song now. Yeah. It's got banjo in it. Yeah, I played it on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one reason why like, I, I don't like a lot of contemporary Christian music is because, for one, it's just so shallow. But it's also just so manufactured. And it's like this guy, he tells biblical stories through his songs. Yeah. Um, and this particular song, it's there's this land where people walk backwards and he's talking about the world and lost people and everybody's stumbling against each other and they're yeah. falling and they're getting bruised up and all this. And then the third verse is, and then one day this man came and to them he walked backwards. Mm. And it's talking about you know, yeah. Christ calling them, saying, all you've got to do is turn around. If you'll turn around, you won't mm. fall into the pit. You won't fall into oh, the lake. Wow. Um, so I, I love that. Um, that's that's one of my favorites right now. Um, I can't do favorite books because it's <laughs> just not possible. So oh, the number in the room. Right? Yeah. <laughs> We're surrounded by books. A couple that I've read recently that I really enjoyed. Um, the first one's by Puritan, so it's a long title. Um, and it is the true Christian love of the unseen Christ or a discourse chiefly tending to excite and promote the decaying love of Christ in the hearts of Christians. That is such a pure <laughs> That's one title. Yeah, that's, Who's that by? That's Thomas Vincent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one I'm reading now is called Evangelism as Exiles by Elliot quick, Clark. I want to go backwards just for the listeners who don't probably are wondering why Puritans had such long titles. Mm-hmm. That was back in the day where... Um, there was not a part of the book where you could just pick up and read briefly what the book was about. Right. So they did that in the title. So if you see those long titles, it was back before leaflets. Uh, and then Evangelism is Exiles uh, by Elliot Clark, uh, which is what it says. It's just how we do evangelism in, the, in a culture that's increasingly hostile to us and, and which we're, you know, we're not at home here. That's yeah. Um, let's ask you this one, especially maybe in the... COVID season and uh, church has been shaken up a lot. And I don't know, you guys have seen, we've seen some, some people jump on our online streams that have not been involved with church. So if somebody finds this and they're not connected to a local church already, what should they be looking for uh, in a local church? Yeah. So a love of the Bible. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I hesitate because it's really a love of Christ. But if you show up at a service for the first time and you don't really have time to, to mingle and to know everybody because of coronavirus, you're going to know from that service if that church is a church that loves the Bible. Whereas you may not know until you actually talk to the people uh, what their love of Christ is. But obviously, if you have a love of the Bible, then you're going to have a love of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the more scripture that you're hearing preached in, in the sermon... One thing that we've just introduced here in the past couple of weeks that I've, I've felt compelled to is just to bring in extra scriptures, not not just stuff that I'm preaching on, but doing a call to worship from scripture yep. and, and doing some scripture in the midst of the song to just really clarify what the songs are about. And um, yeah, I mean, if you can find a church where where the pastor doesn't just read the text and then set the Bible to the side and not go back to it again, right. then that's a church that's worth looking into and investigating, yeah. you know, yeah. that's, that's the key. Because if you love the Bible, 
everything else is going to fall into place. Yep. Yeah. Um, you truly love it because there's a lot of, there's a movement of like hold up a Bible, like you said, the beginning of a service or beginning of a sermon. Right. But then just set it aside and ignore it. I mean, Osteen, so, doesn't he yeah. lift his up and this yeah. isn't my Bible. It is what I say, what it says that I am or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously there's no scripture coming from that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's a good, a good tell. That's good. All right. So our last question. Curveball. All right. And so we, we scribbled this one down on the way over here. So, um, and so it's twofold. Um, what has been some difficulties, kind of the negative things with trying to do church during COVID-19? That, that's the first half. Second half would be, is there any positives and what would they be? Yeah. Obviously I can only go from the context of our church or my local church. Um, the, the drawback or the downside is certainly uh, the inability to, to fellowship. I mean, yeah. you can obviously pick up the phone and, and that's great, but even something like I miss not being able to hug people or yeah. shake their hand. I mean, there's, yeah. Bible says greet one another with a holy kiss. Now we thankfully don't do that in our culture, <laughs> but there's still, there's an intimacy and physical contact. That's I think yeah. really an integral part of yeah. building that unity. We haven't seen, at Crescent Hill, we haven't seen a huge drop-off. I mean, most of the folks that were coming before, now that we've resumed services, they're they're back. We've got a few that, for health reasons, uh, haven't been. Um, but, you know, the inability to have everybody together, yeah. um, for us, you know, we've cut back to one service a week. And we were doing, we're a traditional Baptist church. So, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, and for a while, honestly, I was okay with just Sunday morning, but there's like so much that I want to say that I come across during the week. I'm like, man, I wish we were together tonight and we could go through this. Um, so the lack of time to fellowship, the lack of time to, uh, to really get into God's word, um, to the extent that we typically would over the course of a week. And obviously outreach is difficult. And, and for us, it's even more difficult because that's an area that we, uh, already had conviction about our need to do more outreach. So um, that's that's challenging. Again, in our local context, a positive has been that it's brought us into the 21st century a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as a traditional church in, in rural Pickens, um, I mean, when I got here, there was no church website, no Facebook, none of that. And now we're, you know, broadcasting our sermons on Sunday. I'm recording the midweek service, getting those out. We're on sermon audio. Um, and I think you, you don't have to do those things. Um, but that's certainly one aspect of, of the culture's life where we can kind of come to them where they are um, and, and offer that to them. Again, with the understanding that uh, a virtual church attendance in no way replaces actual church attendance yeah, yeah. once that's possible. Well, another reward though is just to see God's faithfulness through this. Yeah, amen. That's good. Um, that you know we we haven't seen our giving drop off that much. Wow. Um, which is kind of a a tertiary issue, but it's part of church life. Yeah. Um. And, and to see other churches and how they're navigating it and, yeah. and, and a lot of times with a great deal of success. And, yeah. and I think that's great. I mean, we can sometimes develop this mindset that it's our church 
against the other churches, and it's just not. I yeah. mean, I, I want to see other churches around here doing well. And so to see churches similar to ours that are, are now coming into the digital age and they're they're doing uh, outreach that way and they're getting the gospel out that way is, is really encouraging. So, you know, is there is there depression or sorrow because we're not we're not together? Yes. But there's also joy in just seeing how God has worked in this mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Amen. That's Amen. good. That is really good. Ross, we certainly appreciate your time, and I have to give a, uh, a personal thank you because uh, we, we uh, don't get to see the Cook family every week at Infinity Church because they're up here with you guys in Pickens. And uh, back to whatever question number three or so, we talked about shepherding missionaries and sending them out. We are now co-laborers uh, in doing that with the Cook family, and so I, I appreciate your, uh, not just in general, a partner in the gospel, but specifically partnering in the gospel as we uh, come alongside the Cook family and all that, that God has for them. So. Well, and I, I appreciate you and, and the work at Infinity that Alex has passed along to me and and also just seeing who Alex is and the type of family that he's leading uh, encourages me and challenges me yeah. Yeah. Um, in really good ways. Absolutely. Um, one thing about Alex that, that challenges me is... is the frequency of his prayer life, Amen. Um, which is an area for me that, that I, we all need more of. Yeah. Um, but that's one thing about Alex that I've just loved. I mean, whenever we get together, we're in prayer. Yeah. Um, so thank God for you um, and your church. Alex owes everything to me. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I came we're supposed to be interviewing Rawls. It's not about me. Yeah. I came along late in Alex's walk with the Lord, but grateful to be a part of any way we can. Well, I enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. So until next time, let us dwell on our infinite God. Amen.